Welcome to the Race and Redemption Podcast. We're here to help white Christians move from questions to change. This is my friend Susan. She brings her whole heart to this conversation. She has a wealth of experience in cross-cultural relationships in her own family and in her community. And she marries that with the truth of Scripture about race and redemption. And this is my friend Brooke. She has been researching these topics for years within the church, and she's bringing new information that's factual, accurate, and nonpartisan. And that's what the church needs right now. today to do, I think, a pretty unique episode. We are inviting some people from behind the scenes for our listeners to meet. And so I'm really excited to have our behind the scenes crew. So we've got Matt Owen, who is our sound producer, and he does so much more than just sound for us. He's fantastic. He'll tell you a little bit about what he does. And Kendra, who does all of our fabulous graphics. And we just can't wait for you all to meet them and get to know a little bit more about what makes Race and Redemption such an awesome production? I mean, they really are a part of our team. We talk about it. It's kind of even crazy to say we have a team because like, it's just, it sounds... <laughs> a teeny tiny team. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I consider you guys like a big part of... Mm-hmm what we do. And both of you, I think about conversations we've had where we're bouncing ideas off of each other. You're giving input, you're giving direction, you Mm -hmm. give insight from your own experiences, what you're hearing from other people, things maybe we shouldn't have said, things we should have said, Mm -hmm. and we value it so much. And um, we just want an opportunity for everybody else to get to hear about you because you both have your own journeys when it comes to race and redemption and Mm -hmm. have a lot to share as you've been on your own road for learning your own road for just experiences that you've had. So maybe we can just jump in right there and have you guys share a little bit about your background, your story, and kind of how you spend your days and and nights currently. Absolutely. Well, it's good to be a part of the team. It's good to meet you in person. Yes. Uh, Have a face with the name. (laughs) Thank you, COVID, for all the virtual stuff. Goodness gracious. Wow. My name is Matthew Owen. That's my government name. (laughs) 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 Some people who've known me for years have no idea what my government name is, but there it is. 43-year-old white dude from Atlanta, Georgia. Grew up on the south side, Clayton County, Forest Park High School, class of 96. What up? Um, (laughs) Being a freckle-faced, redheaded white kid that I am growing up where I grew up. Everybody called me Opie. Just can't beat it. So <laughs> can't beat them. Join them. So many people called me Opie that my nickname got a nickname. That's where Ope Diggy came from. So DJ Ope Diggy, that's when it came time to brand myself. That's just the way it worked. And so I'm a podcast slash content slash music producer, produce music for artists for myself, for a lot of the podcasts I work with. I produce their original theme music and I'm a DJ. So that's me. And you guys, Matt is fantastic. His musical acumen is just top-notch. I mean, you all know from listening to the podcast the quality of the sound that we have, Mm -hmm. but you probably don't all know how hard he has worked on our theme song. Mm, He created it from scratch. Absolutely. and That's my piano on there, yeah. Uh Yes. And we've just had a lot of compliments on how great our sound is. And so I know that's such a small thing that some people don't think Mm -hmm. about, but it makes such a huge difference. And I love that 
you just do such excellent work. So we thank you. And Matt, you are a married man. Uh, yes, that's correct. Cannot forget to mention my wife, which is actually how I got into podcasting. So my wife is a spoken word poet, goes by the name of Mina Brown. She is an African-American woman. Because of my marriage, I would say, is where a lot of my education on the things I was seeing the wrong way and was saying and doing the mm-hmm. wrong way. You know, mm-hmm. you learn real quick when, you know, the first person <laughs> to pillow over, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't come home and be like, okay, whew, now we can talk spicy. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, hey, play, you know, uh, you know, you go to your family reunions and, you know, and mm-hmm. you, you learn, you know what I'm saying? You, you start yeah. going, oh, I get it. You know, and, and I do, I do think that that, wasn't the jumping off point for me, but I I will say that it has been a really great place of learning is that it's not those people. You know what I mean? It's Mm. it's my spouse. It's Mm -hmm. my mother-in-law. It's my wife's grandmother. I I never really even voted before, honestly, until it was Barack Obama's second time around to become president. Because I was like, man, look, I grew up broke my whole life, you know, the story and all that. And so I was like, them politicians don't care about me. They don't do nothing for me. Rich people vote. I don't. So if you can't rap, I don't care about what you do. (laughs) You ain't ain't got my attention. So, but it wasn't until honestly hanging out with Amina's grandmother really made me go, man, like it's a huge place of privilege to even be like, oh, everybody didn't get to do like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a big deal. Oh, this. And, And so I do think that when you have a name and a face to put on something, it will change the way you think. It will change your comfortability with how you speak. It's made me a better man because of it. Man, that's so good. So, Miss Kendra, tell us all about you. Yes. So, my name is Kendra Harrell. I was born in Arkansas, raised in South Georgia, but I've been in Atlanta for 15 years now, and I love it. It's definitely home to me. I remember when I first moved here to go to college, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design for graphic design specifically. SCAD is awesome. SCAD is so awesome. Love it. Shout out. And I just remember when I moved here thinking... I love this city. Still is true today. I work in the nonprofit space doing graphic design. I work a full-time job and I'm also married. I'm married to a man named Randy who is amazing. We've been married for 11 years. We have two littles, a three-year-old girl named Dylan, a one-year-old boy named Holden. And I've been saying lately, life is beautifully full. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of free margin and space, but it's all things that God has been so faithful to our family in and answered prayers. And we live on the east side and we love it. Mm -hmm. We love just our community there. There's just so many things that God has done that we just feel really rooted in in the best way. Over the last like probably five or six years, Randy, my husband, has come home from school or he's work Dr. or Randy, he's now he? he's a doctor. He's Dr. Yes. Randy. He just finished his PhD in August, which is so incredible. And we're so proud. But yes, in, in his journey and school and also just at work, and he's been a barista for a long time. He's taught in schools and taught at Georgia State for a long time. And he is at some points even teaching. He is the white professor to a predominantly black class. Mm. And he's coming home and he's like, I don't want to mess this up. And he's mm. processing and he's learning and unlearning a lot of things and getting some good counsel from his peers at school and through watching him started to even open my eyes to, hey, I need to turn my attention towards this conversation and I need to start to feel in this direction and talking about 
privilege. Like it's been a privilege for me to even never have to think about this. Like mm-hmm. I've grown up my whole life in spaces where I just didn't even, I think you said one time, Susan, in one of the first podcasts, you're swimming in water and you didn't know it or something mm-hmm. like that. It was kind of that moment for me. Through that processing, I just started to say, okay, it's time for me to refocus here. So yeah, I do graphic design full time and I really love it. It's a fun passion of mine and that's what I'm doing every day. But it's also been such an honor to be a part of this with you guys, to be in the room together. It's been really cool to just have a different space to do work like this, specifically for this podcast. Love it. Mm, mm-hmm. And we're so thankful because Kendra, your graphics are beautiful. And if you are listening and you have not been on our Instagram page, you need to go see all the amazing work that Kendra has done to share about our episode guests and even all of our quotes from different episodes that we get to pull out and use those to kind of really mull over what's happening. You think about that. You listen to the podcast and Mm -hmm. you think about that when you design them. So I just love that and I'm so grateful for your work. And she even conceived our logo, I would call it, our identity package, Mm -hmm. like and worked with an illustrator, Meg Brim, to work on that. And I mean, just really spent a lot of intentional time on that. Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been cool to see how God has used your gifts in that way. Thank you. So I want to ask a question. I want you guys to be honest. So it was probably a process or maybe a shock for you guys to get a call out of the blue from these two white ladies that are like, Hey, we want to do a podcast about race. (laughs) So (laughs) what was that like for you guys to to hear that? And then also to like, what made you think, okay, I do want to be a part of this. Mm. This does sound like something I want to do. Yes, you nailed it. I remember Susan, because we were in, you know, the middle of pandemic mode and Mm -hmm. quarantine and all these things. And then I'm like, Oh, Susan Robinson. Hi. And then wait, what? (laughs) Um, (laughs) my first thought was but I'm white and y'all are white like how is this going to be helpful Mm. and so in just processing that I think it was interesting so at the time this was the summer of 2020 this was the summer of 2020 yes when I think about the context in which the phone call came God is obviously all in that and for me a huge shift in my journey in the racial conversation racial justice is that when Ahmaud Aubrey was murdered back in February of 2020, like I said, I'm from South Georgia. That was local news for mm-hmm. me before it was national news. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that come across on social media. And I remember kind of reading it and then kind of moving on. And then it came back around as national news. And I read it and I was like, I've already seen this and I didn't let it do anything to me. I'm late to the game, but I think it's time to repent. And I think Mm -hmm. it's time to realize the racism and bias in my heart and to start to do some real work on my own. My husband has been helpful, yes, but it's time for Kendra's heart to shift and Kendra to do some reading and Kendra to do whatever. And so I started turning in that direction and specifically asking God, like, well, what can I do? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I can do. I, at the time, was like six months pregnant and had a two-year-old. There were serving opportunities before me, but it was, it's even hard logistically to figure that out with a full-time job and the kids. And I was just praying through, like, what does this look like? And then this call came and it was so interesting because, again, my first gut reaction was no. Um, (laughs) But then after thinking about it, I was like, I have a couple of free hours a week after my kids go to bed where I can work on this and 
deeply be invested as much as I can be or whatever. And that has helped shape so much of the content. Like it's been such a blessing to have this content Mm -hmm. put before us from trusted people from y'all who have Mm -hmm. done so much work way long before this podcast. And to know that now this is a resource that's available to me and I can help be a part of it. It's really significant and special. Mm. Wow. There's, so glad. there's tears going in the podcast yeah. room here. <laughs> so glad. Wow. And then there was Matt. He was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> I think I got an email and I think I emailed back some questions mm-hmm. because of my wife being a black lady. And then also because of her platform, I do try to be careful like what I can get involved in because mm-hmm. I don't want it to come back on her or, you know, create some other mm-hmm. mess for her a situation that's difficult for her. So I remember, Susan, you were like, let's jump on the phone and have mm-hmm. a phone conversation. I didn't feel combative and you didn't come across combative because we were just able to have a conversation. It began the journey of trusting. And I will say that that has been my continued experience of working with the two of you. So it's been a wonderful experience ever mm-hmm. since. I've grown, obviously, by being a part of it and learning. I greatly respect the relational aspect. I was looking at from, okay, what are the pieces? What are the story that we're going to be putting together here? And at first I was like, Susan's bringing in friends that she has these relationships with. Okay. Brooke, she has this work that she's doing with the research. Okay. I see some building blocks here. And then with the specific lens that you were coming with to Christians, which also was an interesting thing for me because just in all honesty, the past presidential administration and the things that were happening and things that I began to see Christian people being okay with. Mm -hmm. And then also because of the events I was at, and when you see behind the curtain and you start seeing how mm. the sausage is made, you start mm-hmm. going, oh, gross. And Christian <laughs> events. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Christian mm-hmm. events with very, very, very large name mm-hmm. people. I, I won't, there's no need to say anything, but I made the mistake of coming home from some of these events and telling other Christians, hey, here's the experience I just had. I don't know what to do with this. It's like their brain was exploding. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't because this person and this person has to be this. And so as I was starting to see those things, I started feeling a lot of disappointment mm-hmm. with Christians, but specifically white Christians. Mm-hmm. And so to be working in a podcast that was aimed specifically at white Christians who I was feeling more and more saddened, I, I, was, mm-hmm. I was feeling really sad by what I was seeing. And then also with my work as a DJ, working in very non-Christian spaces, Mm -hmm. experiencing some things I'm like, whoa, I thought I would have experienced that more in the church settings. I was really asking myself in the beginning, can I, do do I want to work Mm -hmm. in in that space? Mm -hmm. And and knowing some of the things that come with that. Once upon a time, pre-Facebook, your grandma didn't know about your DJ gig and uh-huh. <laughs> your, your mom wasn't listening to that mix you did at this club the night before because you posted it online mm-hmm. and somebody reposted it. Yes. And now that was not meant for you. And oh, man, what do we do? <laughs> yes. You know, and, yes. and so it, there was a lot of questions there, but I've really come to really appreciate this conversation and the fact that you have been specific at who you're talking to and how badly I want that group of people mm. to 
get a hold of the power of the message of what you guys mm. are bringing. So, mm. yeah, happy to be a part. Well, let's talk for a minute about that because I think that the reaction of do these white people have something to add? Like, can they be trusted? Shouldn't we be learning everything from voices of color as we talk about these issues? I think that's a really relevant and mm-hmm. and real question that should be explored. I mean, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear everyone's thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think our hope in, as we call centering, that's one way of phrasing it, but having the wisdom come from our guests is to have it come from people of color who've had these experiences and who can translate for us like what that felt like to them or what they like to see. So that is an important goal, I would say, to make sure that we're not just talking about ourselves. Like, that's not what we're here for. (laughs) We're here to learn. And so we want to make sure we start there. But obviously, we've expanded into a lot of different types of guests with different life experiences. So it's something I think we always have to be super cautious about, that we're not getting too wrapped up in our own thing. Mm -hmm. And we're losing the point of why we're here. Well, and to be honest, one of the big motivators for us launching this podcast was the multiple conversations I had had with friends of color last summer who were exhausted mm-hmm. and they were trying to process everything that was happening around them, dealing with their own trauma. And then they had white friends, co-workers, neighbors coming to them, asking them to teach them and explain things mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm while they were hurting and trying to figure it out for themselves. And they were so burdened and exhausted and frustrated and didn't really know where to point somebody. Mm -hmm. And that was really, I think, as I was praying, I was saying, God, how can I be a part of helping to alleviate that burden for friends? And really, it was that personal for me. And this idea came and that's when I reached out to Brooke and I don't feel like we're sitting here saying we have all the answers, but mm-hmm. I do feel like there is a role that white people can play mm-hmm. when it comes to this conversation. And just because we may not be the ones experiencing what our friends of color are experiencing doesn't mean that we don't have a role to play mm-hmm. the, the, and that we can even share our own stories. I think as we hear testimonies from other people and say, I felt this, I experienced this, it creates a vulnerability and a safety in our listeners to be able to say, okay, I can journey that way too. And that's more of the position of where we're coming from. Something that I witnessed that was very helpful in my life was uh, I remember seeing a man, a white man, get up and talk about privilege and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And he talked about it in a way that was very normalizing. Zen, it exists, which honestly is the pre-step that a lot of us have a really hard time making as Mm -hmm. white folks is just that beginning of saying this thing exists, which I remember hearing that man say it. And growing up in a church context, it's very common to hear the idea that I have a sin nature. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not, it's, it's a very normalized conversation. If I were to get up in front of a room full of church folks and talk about my sin nature, no one's going to be greatly offended. We all agree there's a sin nature outside of Jesus, then I'm in trouble because mm-hmm. I know what I'm capable of. But then to hear this man talk about privilege and white supremacy in the same way, and the more I realize, oh, white supremacy is a sin. I have a Mm. sin nature. Mm. Without this Jesus, what I am capable of is Mm. this thing right here. Mm -hmm. So I need the same thing I need in every other area of my life of where I'm capable of doing grotesque things. Mm -hmm. I need discipleship. I need 
friends who are along the same journey with me to be like, hey, bro, you're kind of tripping right now. You need to pull that back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need those things because left to my own devices. And so I think even just the normalization, you've got two ladies in here coming in here with their friends and no one's having to talk you into this thing exists. Mm-hmm. Like we would be miles ahead if all of us would just go ahead and vote and say, this thing exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Because as someone who has sat next to my wife while she's having these mm-hmm. conversations, again, with people in the faith who get up and preach the gospel on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And most of the conversation wraps around when you say this thing exists, it made me feel like you were saying I am. But if I can just get back to the fact that I have a sin nature, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. If I had a choice not to, I wouldn't, but I do. So here's the thing. It exists, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, Matt. That's so good. I think it was a couple months ago where, once again, Susan, you were like, hey, do you want to be behind the mic? And I was like, no, (laughs) I just just don't because I fear being hurtful. I don't want to be hurtful. I don't Mm want to say something that's, I'm on a journey. There is so much work to be done in my heart and just don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to continue to be a burden to the Black community and want to be helpful. And then remembering this specific tagline of this podcast, helping white Christians move from questions to change. Mm -hmm. That sounds so helpful. That does sound helpful. Going Mm -hmm. back to your target audience comment, Matt, like Mm -hmm. that is needed. I don't know any other resources like that right now that I can help point people to, point myself to. And so it's because of that that I was like, okay, let's do this. And here we are. Mm, (laughs) So good. We are all of us on a journey. And yes, sometimes we can get in the way of making progress. Our words can hurt. You know, we are stumbling over ourselves sometimes. And it's just good to have a safe space to process. And also make mistakes. Yeah. Right? Like, right. I mean, I think there's been, I'm thinking right now of our episode with Dr. Nicole Martin yes. and, and I said something, I think I was like, I'm so sorry. And, and she came back and was like, I don't want you to be sorry. I want you to be mad. And like, <laughs> yes. that was a correction to me. Yes. And like, I loved that that happened on our episode because we were able to keep that in and let mm-hmm. people see like how I responded to that, how she felt comfortable saying it. And like, I don't think we normalize that enough. Right. I yes. think that we, we need to be sharing in our weaknesses too. Like, yeah, by the way, that's be... just genuine good discipleship. Yes. <laughs> that's how we yes. sharpen each other, Feedback right? He's good. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And, and the humility required, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think in a lot of ways, there was a part of me that rose up and was like, oh, I don't want that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I do want to look like I know everything and have all the answers. Don't we all always? But I don't. I don't. And I make mistakes and I've had friends correct me. And like you've talked about the person on the pillow next to you. Like, oh, man, right? that's so really important messed up. and so valuable. And I'm glad that we can create an environment to do that here yeah. and let other people realize like we're making mistakes, too. We all are. Yeah. But we're making mistakes and, and falling forward, hopefully. Right. Mm. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have been a part of like every episode we've ever done. I would love to hear maybe... One or two of your favorite episodes, maybe a quote or a thought that has stood out to you. Yes, there are so many amazing, good episodes. I love how y'all cover so many different varieties of conversation and have different guests from different areas of life. It's hard to even pick one. I have so many notes on my phone that are just quotes where I like hit the button on Spotify where I go back 15 seconds and I like rewrite it over and over and over <laughs> because I want to remember the thing. So I just have it in my phone. And so even just thinking about like what my favorite could be, one that stands out 
out is just the discipling out racism with Albert Tate. Mm -hmm. Such a powerhouse and so much truth and so helpful. Specifically, I love that he said, the two biggest things God calls us to is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no way you love me effectively as a white person and don't see the burden that I carry as a minority in America. Mm. I think that just starting with empathy, don't letting it stay there, but like letting yourself feel for a person of color, for the black experience in America, and then saying, I want to be a part of change and not letting it stay with empathy, but choosing that Mm. and then moving forward in action because just staying in empathy is not going to be helpful to anyone, but moving forward in whatever space we can occupy. Like I love Mary Pugh's episode where she Mm. was like, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) but I could do this civil rights tour in the summer. I think it was the summer or something. Mm -hmm. And she loaded up 15 kids in a passenger van and just took them around. Like that is so helpful. That's her Mm -hmm. space. And if we Mm -hmm. all can occupy our little avenues, that's how the world changes. That's how things change. Yes. Yes. Absolutely right. Mary is a hero. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so is Albert. Yeah. I loved that episode with him. I feel like I'm always quoting that thing where he said, you can't have a diverse Sunday morning without a diverse Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yes. So good. Yes. I've been checking my Saturday nights lately. <laughs> I'm like, how am I doing? <laughs> Need to mix it up a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I would say my f- two to stand out because I mean, I learned so much from all of them would be Maya Moore and mm. Kyle Corver. Number mm. one, I'm a big basketball fan. So <laughs> it was super cool to just to be in a room with both of them. But it's also really cool when you meet people that you admire and you look up to, and then you hear things of their character that you're like, yeah. Oh, and, and first of all, that, that was so encouraging just to hear the two of them both communicate from the large platforms that they both have with the level of humility. With Maya's conversation, first of all, I just very much so admire the journey that she's been on and the mm-hmm. work that she's doing. And I also really enjoyed y'all's friendship on mm-hmm. that, Susan. And I think that also is where a lot of the power in this conversation happens is in relationship, be it with someone who is different from you or be it with someone who is the same as you. And again, it's been something I've really appreciated because let's be honest, this is a tough conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, the stakes are really high. Mm -hmm. Man, like you say the wrong thing, the stakes are really, really high. And so it's totally understandable that people would be afraid, you know, because none of us want to be called the R word, you know, racist, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but I can also not be racist Mm -hmm. and have friends. And so there was something of y'all's friendship that really struck out to me. Also, in Kyle Corver's episode, he talked about his friendship with his fellow teammate mm-hmm. and a moment that he felt that he possibly had gotten something wrong. A teammate had gotten in some trouble and the first thought in his mind was, what did he do? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. versus stand up for it. And so I really took a lot from that too, because let's be honest, our first thought comes from our own context. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. our first thought comes from our own experience. Why wouldn't it? What else do you know? When I'm a child, I knew nothing other than myself. My teenage years, I was really insecure. Everybody mm-hmm. is. Your body's, everything's changing. Who am I? College, you're starting to find, when you start getting your 30s, you start being like, oh, there's other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they think their own things and it's different than me. And now I'm in my 40s and I feel myself less likely to be like, get out of my way. And more like, hey, I bet you have something going on too, you know? Yeah. In this conversation, I think that that is where, again, the power comes from. You know, understandably, I'm afraid to make a mistake. And 
if I put myself out there and I apply a little tenderness, don't just let every word come out of your mouth. I learn, I grow. I just think that's that's where the power is in this conversation. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Oh, I love that. I loved having Maya. She was our first guest. Yeah. Wasn't yep. she? And she was such a huge part of praying into the launch of this podcast and for every episode. And I thought there wasn't anyone better to sit down and talk through those mm. things with because she approaches this conversation from such a deeply spiritual, biblically based place. Mm -hmm. And she's doing like life changing work, but her life is being changed by God before she goes out to do that. And I think it was just such a great foundation and so interesting to start an episode where you talk about Sabbath and yeah. social justice, yeah. yes. you know, yeah, that was you don't think they huge. go together, mm -hmm. yeah. but oh she, gosh, she practices that so well, mm -hmm. yeah. so well, really protects that time. Mm -hmm. And she's really like, I can't do what I do unless I do Sabbath. Like I can't step out and work in these justice areas. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that one up. And, you know, we're actually going to interview Jonathan, her husband, Jonathan yes, Irons. Next I week know. he's coming. Beautiful, and so I'm super excited to get to have the continuous continuation of that story. Jonathan's uh -huh. become like a brother to us. We love him. He's going to be so great. And actually right before him, we're going to interview District Attorney Flynn Brody, who is down helping to select the jury for the Ahmaud Aubrey case. Yes. So there's Huge. a lot of full circle moments that are happening. We feel really honored to be able to kind of continue all these stories in the interviews to come. So as you both know, we close all of our episodes with a question. How would you encourage white Christians to go from questions to change? As you look at where you each are now and just kind of your own experiences, what are you seeing as advice you'd share or experiences that you share that would just encourage others in that walk? I think that's such a great question. I think my answer is just a little bit more personal and intimate and just has to do with like, as a Christian, my personal relationship with Jesus and just asking God, praying that God would help me see like he sees and love like he loves. Mm. That is something that I want to get right. And so in that way, I think we can all ask ourselves that. Am I seeing the way you see? Am I loving the way you mm -hmm. love? And and how does that look in my lane? Whatever your lane is, it could be any lane. But there is a way for you to step into action in that lane to help yourself and others mm -hmm. see the way God sees and love the way he loves. And when we do that, I think there, again, like I said earlier, there's actual change that can come in time. Yeah. Mm. So true. So true. I fully agree. If I had to say one thing as a practice is the practice of decentering yourself. Mm. I think that that goes into every category of your life, whatever job you do, whoever it is you're married to, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, I think decentering yourself because of what I'm capable of when I start focusing on me, it gets messy and I become really unhelpful. And so I think, you know, for all of us who are afraid, for all of us who want to get it right, that is one step to take. Okay. I think the difficulty when it even comes to saying that white privilege is a thing, that that in some way is telling my story that you have had everything. Well, you may have come up with nothing. You very well could have come from very hardworking people mm -hmm. who did not have a silver spoon, who did not have everything given to you. And as I decenter myself, mm. 
and mm-hmm. I look at the grand scale of humanity, well, then what do I want to happen? Do I want there to be more laws that protect white people? We seem to have that covered. Do I, <laughs> do I think all police officers are evil? No. When it comes to policy, we have that covered. If someone does something bad to a police officer, there are laws in place and should be laws in place. That should not happen. These people are putting their lives on the line. But as I decenter myself, and say, what are the people who are being hurt by this? What are they saying? Mm. As I decenter myself, I do believe that comes back to Christ, that mm-hmm. he who knew no sin became sin for me. Mm. So if he can do that for me, I really don't all the way know how the Trinity works. Mm. But this Godhead put on human flesh and came down here to get on my level, I can probably decenter myself. Mm. I I can probably Mm. take a step back. Mm. And so if I were to say there was one thing that I am working on, I don't have it, but I'm working on it, that's decentering myself. That's so good. Gosh, you can hear why we love having them on yes. our team. I Man. mean, I'm just sitting here like so thankful for both of you. Yes. And also just so thankful that both of your answers really came back to God. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's where the solution is, that we're not going to be able to break down these strongholds and these things that the enemy has been doing really since the beginning of time to try to divide us in whatever way he can. And we know that reconciliation is the work of the Spirit, that it's through Jesus to the Father. And so I love that you guys just have that heart. I mean, you're living this out every day. We see it and we're just absolutely thankful for both of you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for the Race and Redemption podcast. Make sure not to miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button on our page wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Race and Redemption so you can join the conversation today. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.